This episode of No Bad Food is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Are you a producer of artisan food or drinks looking to get your name out there? Look no further. Whiskey Lane's team of social media, branding, and marketing experts is here to help. They'll take care of all that stuff for you so that you can focus on doing what you do best, making awesome products for your customers. Here at No Bad Food, we know that buying locally made products goes a long way toward making our world more sustainable, and that's why we're proud to be sponsored by Whiskey Lane. So, what are you waiting for? Grab your nearest artisan cheese or homebrewed IPA and run to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And remember, that's whiskey the Canadian way. Without any. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow this time. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Today, we are talking all about edible Pokemon to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Pokemon. Before we dig in, I want to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, I think it's important that we remember when the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. I think uh, <laughs> part of the conversation that my guest and I are going to have today around edible Pokemon involves the idea that food culture varies from from place to place and from people to people, which, you know, is maybe a given, but also is something that we kind of take for granted sometimes, I think, where you might hear about a food and think that's disgusting and then find out, oh, that's actually super culturally important to somebody else. Maybe I should have thought about that beforehand. Oops. And uh, I think you'd be surprised at how often uh, that kind of thing can happen with things that maybe even, in fact, are eaten by people who were originally on the land that you are on. Uh, And actually, those things are delicious. And maybe you should uh, get over that bias and try some tasty food. Anyway, that's just my little (laughs) anti-colonialist rant for the beginning of the show. Try new things. Never be too quick to judge a food by its cover. You never know if it's going to secretly be delicious, and you also never know if it's going to be important to the people who eat it. For more than just nutrition, obviously. You know, (laughs) all food is important to the people who eat it for nutritional purposes. It may have cultural significance as well. Anyway, we're going to get into that a little bit in this episode, Uh, but first, here is my spiel about Pokemon and how I can possibly justify doing a Pokemon episode of my food podcast. 2021 is the 25th anniversary of Pokemon, a media franchise near and dear to my heart. I was five or six when the Pokemon trading card game made its way into my life in Vancouver, BC, and some of my most cherished childhood memories are centered around it. Beyond the countless hours poured into the games over the years, the hundreds of dollars of trading cards, and the literal thousands of episodes of the TV show I've watched, I also have a Pokemon tattoo, and even briefly had a Pokemon podcast for a little while. 
Needless to say, I am a big fan, so I couldn't let this anniversary year go by without finding some way to acknowledge it and celebrate it on this show. But how do you make a Pokemon-themed episode of a food podcast? Well, by talking about all of the edible Pokemon that exist in the franchise's 25-year history, sharing stories of memories where Pokemon and food share the spotlight, and of course, arguing about which Pokemon would be the most delicious to eat if it existed in real life. But I can't do this alone because Pokemon is and always has been about community, about bringing people together, and about sharing the joy of these monsters with your friends. So I'm busting out my link cable and connecting with my buddy Kyle Harper from the Debate This podcast to trade stories and see if they evolve into something beautiful. Kyle, as I mentioned, is one of the co-hosts of Debate This, a comic book and video game podcast that asks the important questions that nobody else is brave enough to ask, <laughs> like which video game food item belongs on the menu at Bobby Flay's new restaurant, and which Pokemon <laughs> gym leader would be the worst roommate? Kyle, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Tom. I'm excited to talk about uh, eating Pokemon today. Yeah. Now, a, a topic that's become weirdly popular in the last, like, two years. It really has. Enough. Yeah, when I when I mentioned that we were going to do an episode on this, my partner immediately pulled up some TikToks where people, like, recreated Bulbasaur out of various food items and ate it. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's also the, a series of TikToks going around of, like, what a wet market a Bulbasaur in a wet market would look like. And oh. it's horrifying and terrible. And uh, don't go looking for it because it'll make you sad. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But also there was the there was the um, Brian David Marshall video on uh, where he where they ranked every Pokemon in terms of edibility as as they do on their show. Right. And my my good friends at Save Data the same week, unfortunately, as that video also released their very own ranking of uh, Pokemon deliciousness. Oh no! Yeah. Um, what it a was, timing! It was it was very unfortunate timing, <laughs> and they and they rolled with it very well. But it was just like the they 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 were doing their build up like a week's worth of like big Pokemon episode coming on Thursday, and then Wednesday the the Brian David Marshall video dropped and they were just like oh that is... <laughs> all the wind in our sails <laughs> <laughs> that is such a bummer and hopefully won't happen to us with this one but if it does that's okay my policy here is always that you know there is there is no such thing as bad food and also no such thing as too much content about food so you know the more the merrier exactly yeah <laughs> so when i introduced you i mentioned a topic of an episode of your show that does not in fact exist and that topic was which pokemon gym leader would be the worst roommate that's my way of kind of cueing you into telling us a little bit about what your show <laughs> is and what you guys do and also putting you on the spot to answer which pokemon gym leader you think would be the worst roommate debate this is a a group of men in their 30s uh, having the schoolyard discussions about video games and comic books you had in elementary and middle school so we ta tackle topics like which supervillain would be the best roommate, I think is where you uh, <laughs> aped that one from. Yep. Um, what color Yoshi is the best Yoshi and why? What what Kirby would look like if he absorbed a, a Metal Gear boss? Just dumb things like that. And we, we argue about it and we pick a winner that doesn't matter. And then we forget about it and move on to a new topic the next week. Mm -hmm. It's fun and dumb. And if you just need some some good old school arguing that doesn't matter, I recommend you turn into our show. 
you can also find me on a couple episodes. So if you're like uh, a Tom Zalatni loyalist and you're like, <laughs> oh, I would love to listen to your podcast, Kyle, but do you have Tom on it? The good news for you, listener, they do. If, if more than once, you can you can ease in to debate this if Tom is your only entry point. There, There's a couple entry points you can jump in on. I do not have the list of episodes Tom is on in front of me. So happy hunting. Yeah, you guys can figure it out. <laughs> okay, so let's get down to let's get down let's get down to the nitty gritty here. We are of course here today to talk about edible Pokemon uh, as a way of celebrating the twentieth anniversary, twenty fifth anniversary <laughs> rather. Because uh, you know, <laughs> what better way to celebrate something than by talking about how you want to eat it, right? Naturally. So what? Just like right out of the gate, what Pokemon would you want to eat? Let's just get straight into it. Game Freak and and Nintendo actually have made this question a little easier because they've made Pokemon that want to be eaten are intended or like intended to be eaten now. Mm-hmm. Whereas when Pokemon first started, it was just like, hey, these are the animals of the world. If you want to eat meat in this universe, you have to eat a far-fetched. Right. Sorry, <laughs> that's how it works. But they've actually gone ahead and made like, there is um there's a Pokemon like Alchemy that's like a whipped cream Pokemon. Right. And it it evolves into different flavors of whipped cream if you give it the right sweet to hold. Um that sounds pretty delicious to me. Sure. Like a, a berry a berries and cream alchemy um to go with my coffee in the morning sounds pretty great. Yeah. Although is there coffee in the Pokemon world? Because I don't know. You know that I, I don't know that I've ever seen coffee in a Pokemon game, but there is a tea Pokemon, right? There is a tea Pokemon, a, a ghost tea Pokemon, a haunted teapot Pokemon. Yeah, that implies there is in fact tea. But I guess coffee has not been confirmed. There's a cherry. There's a, a couple cherry Pokemon, so you could argue that maybe one of those is the coffee cherry and not the the sweet fruit cherry that we're all used to. Sure, but we're we're really reaching for that one. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's okay. And if you really want, you could you could instead of putting it in your coffee that may or may not exist in this universe, you could put your whipped cream alchemy on the apple pie Pokemon Appleton, mm-hmm. which is a a grass dragon type that is like with cross hatched crust on top and everything, an apple pie. I want to. I I want a slice of it. I want a slice of Appleton. I'm so sorry. I find it really fascinating that both of those like dessert themed Pokemon came from the same generation of games. Right? They're both in Sun and they, or, uh, Sword and Shield. Both in Sword and Shield. They definitely they pumped they pumped Sword and Shield with some delicious looking Pokemon. Because there's a third. There was a third one I wanted to talk about from this, and I can't remember it. It might be no crab brawlers from Sun and Moon, but that fits in with my like. A lot of the water types get eaten like normal seafood in right. the Pokemon universe. Yeah, which might you know would be as delicious, I would assume, as good crab or lobster might be. But there are very specific food Pokemon in this universe. Yeah, uh, what, are, what are the other ones? I'm losing them. So when I think about like Pokemon and food, specifically like edible Pokemon, I can't not think about the Slowpoke tail. The Slowpoke tail is 
it, it's a plot point yeah. in the game. Well, that's you, it. It's it's a fascinating plot point. <laughs> yeah, you stop this slowpoke tail operation, and they're <laughs> they're harvesting slowpoke tails out of slowpoke well in the Johto region, and you put an end to it, which to me implies that slowpoke tail is more along the lines of like a shark fin soup type delicacy yeah where it's a delicacy because of how cruel it is not because anyone particularly enjoys eating it so so what i find really interesting about that and you bring up a good point about the shark fin soup thing so when we're first introduced to the Slowpoke tail, uh, so for anyone listening who's unfamiliar, Slowpoke is a water-type Pokemon, kind of looks a little bit like a dopey pink otter. Uh, canonically, it hangs its tail into the water, and a clam Pokemon called Shelter bites onto it, and that causes it to evolve. Um, but its tails also canonically can fall off, like molt, kind of, I guess. Um, just like, you know, the skin of it's any like a, lizard. Like a lizard. <laughs> yeah. Like a lizard tail, where if it comes off in in escape it will regrow it will it can yeah. regenerate its tail if it if it falls off that's it um and so you know it, it stands to reason that like you know this piece of meat would <laughs> fall off occasionally and be eaten by people whatever but the first time that we're introduced to it in the games is in the second generation of games where it's introduced like kyle said as a plot point that team rocket the sort of main villains of the story are harvesting slowpoke tails illegally and selling them on the black market um because they're a delicacy but hard to come by. Um, but as a child, I didn't totally register that they were, you know, delicious. I just registered that it was, you know, a crime to chop their tails off. Um, right. But even if it is delicious, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, the ethics of that are dubious at best, right? And I think if memory serves, they didn't actually establish that the tails can fall off naturally in that generation they, of games. They, they retconned that later. Not. Yes. <laughs> and what I find interesting about that retconning is that it kind of speaks to something that is true about a lot of delicacies in international cuisine in the real world, where you might have something like, say, shark fin soup, that like to us in North America, you hear that and you're like, oh, oh that's, you know, right. what, what is that? And our first, you know, exposure to slowpoke tails is in such a negative context that for me i just assume you know okay it is bad to eat slowpoke tail even if it's tasty <laughs> it is like always immoral then in later games we are introduced to the idea one that they can fall off on their own and yes. two that it is served as a dish at fancy restaurants in some mm -hmm. regions that it is a like commonly available item that you can buy to like cook with um in in one of the games you can in fact get a like smoked version of it that i imagine is kind of like a weird beef jerky that you can use as an ingredient in your curry and like to, and, you know, obviously, I think part of that is the company, Game Freak, going, okay, we need to retcon this slowpoke tail let's, thing a little bit. Let's save this a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But but it really, it raises a really interesting question to me, which is, you know, if if the context in those, you know, second generation games was eating slowpoke tail, it's a delicacy, but it's unethical. What do the people from that region think about the people from the other regions, you know, uh, analogous that, to hmm. other continents, say, who have this just as a, like, casual edible item? Like, that is, it, it, I find it really fascinating from a sort of, like, sociology of food perspective <laughs> to think about it as, like, you know, the different regions of the Pokemon world have their own customs and their own cultures, just like we do in the real world. Right. 
in international right. cuisine. And so like, you know, just because you're first introduced to slowpoke tail as something that might be, you know, where you are, it might be illegal and unethical to harvest it doesn't mean that it's okay to turn your nose up at it if you go somewhere else where they eat it, you know? That is true. <laughs> um, it also, it could be a case where ethical harvesting of slowpoke tails is possible, but in in the um, gold and silver and crystal games, specifically what Team Rocket was doing was unethical harvesting. Right. Take it, you know, cutting it off of living slow pokes before it was naturally meant to fall off or whatever. Right. Perhaps there is ethical harvesting that is more cultural where you may not be allowed to sell it to a to a restaurant or to a, a vendor in a way. But if you're out and you pick one up and cook it for dinner for your family, sure. That's that might be fine. Um Right. Kind of like how you need a fishing license in order to like commercially fish, but if you, you know, yes. happen to catch something off a dock no one's going to really yes. get you in trouble for it for just eating it. There is also the, and and this is getting really, really murky and gray in the ethics of, of this. Um, <laughs> As it should. There are several, several of the Pokedex entries on Slowpoke and its, its uh, evolutionary line mention that they don't feel pain immediately, if at all. Right. So it is possible that harvesting the tail just does not register to Slowpoke. Mm. The whole the whole joke of that Pokemon is that it is so slow and um, oblivious to its <laughs> to its surroundings that it does it it does not feel pain, and that reflects in the game. It's a very tanky Pokemon, right. but it 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 is possible that it wasn't an issue for those those Slowpoke and Slowpoke. Well, it was just like something that made the locals uncomfortable that someone was taking advantage of it. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. We don't necessarily know. <laughs> I'm looking at the, uh, so the very first Pokedex description for Slowpoke from the red and blue games that came out mm-hmm. 25 years ago. The That description says, it's incredibly slow and dopey. It takes five seconds for it to feel pain when it's under an attack. So what do, what do you think about this idea? I think, I think almost certainly Team Rocket harvesting the tails... My guess is they were grabbing them, chopping them off, and throwing them back in the water or whatever. Probably those slowpoke yes. felt pain from that. I don't see Team Rocket doing that ethically. I, what do you think of, you know, you chop the tail off and immediately give it some kind of medical treatment right afterward to, yeah. to heal the pain, you know? Like if it takes a, like five if seconds. A, a farm. <laughs> on a farm, yeah. Yeah. It could, be, it could be more akin to shearing a sheep where the process may look uncomfortable to the untrained eye but um if it's a farmer who's been harvesting slowpoke tails in their family for generations they may know the ethical relatively painless way to harvest these tails right yeah exactly we don't know (laughs) that's it i love that i love (laughs) i love thinking about it that way because like I don't know. It it would be really easy to just kind of gloss over this thing where Slowpoke is, you know, a joke character who all they do is make fun of Slowpoke for being slow, right? But like there is so much nuance yeah. to this. I don't know. <laughs> I think they gave us a gift by <laughs> making its tail edible, is all I'm saying. Yes, exactly. And it and they they further blur the issue because on a several of the shark based Pokemon Pokedex entries, 
they also reference the harvesting of shark fins for shark fin soup um, in Sharpedo and the Gabite line specifically yeah. they reference reference like its scales or fins have been harvested for delicacies or medicine right but now that but but it and then they mention that they don't because they don't do it anymore in the Pokemon universe but it's so they they do further blur that that line as well yeah because they took their analogy and then they put it up front and center and we're like hey they shark fin soup is a thing in the pokemon universe as well right which makes me wonder like you know you mentioned that it is something that they don't do anymore right in uh, in the pokemon universe but yes. we're we're about to get a mainstream yes it is mentioned as their sad history <laughs> yeah we're we're about to get a mainline pokemon game set hundreds of years in the past right do you think that we're gonna get that to see some uh, some harvesting i don't know oh no I, it would be very bold. It would be a very bold artistic choice for for Game Freak to put like an old school wet market in their historic Pokemon game. I don't. I don't see it happening unless this game, somewhere between now and its release, picks up the the T rating, and they forego the the everyone rating by by when's it come out november right so we'll i doubt it but <laughs> i'm sure we'll get some some cute allusion to it some other way but i don't think we'll see uh, uh sharp sharpedo fins hanging up in a wet market for you to buy in this more realistic historic pokemon game yeah I, it would be it would certainly be wild for them to suddenly decide to show us the merchandise being sold in any given store instead of having it just be, you know, yes, kind of behind a counter, vague <laughs> counters. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's the mid-roll. I hope you're enjoying the show so far, enjoying this uh, very odd hypothetical conversation Kyle and I are having about <laughs> edible Pokemon. Uh, if you are enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing the episode with a friend. For every new rating and review I get during the month of September, I'm going to be donating $2 to The Depot, which is my local food bank here in my neighborhood of NDG. The Depot turns every $1 of donations they get into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of our show, you are functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. And uh, $6 goes a long way, like even six Canadian dollars, which I realize some of you listening might be listening to this and thinking six American dollars. Whoa, it's not six American dollars. In fact, it's it's uh, less than that because this is you know, in Canada, but $6 Canadian does go a long way. And uh, all you have to do is leave a rating and review in order for that to happen. So if you like the idea of turning zero, which is the amount of money that you have to spend to do this into six, which is the amount of money that they're going to spend on food, uh, go do it. <laughs> leave a rating and review. And you can also read more about what the depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. Um, I would also request that if you are leaving a rating and review and mentioning me at all, please use they them pronouns for me. I use those exclusively these days and it feels really shitty when people misgender me in reviews of my own podcast. Um, in light of that, if you have left a review in the past and it's uh, outdated, maybe if it uses the wrong pronouns, maybe go leave a new one and I will count it as a new review, even if it's technically just an update of an old one because uh, I just appreciate that a lot. Thank you. 
If you're in the Montreal area and you like the idea of buying tasty food cooked for you by me, a podcaster who also cooks, look no further. You can go to my Instagram page at Tomzalatni to get all the details, but basically you can order food, I will cook it, you will pay me, and you'll get food from me and it'll be tasty. And I need money, so, you know, find me on Instagram at Tomzalatni to get information about that. I promise you will not regret it. Um, if you haven't had a chance yet to listen to last week's episode where my partner Teffer and I talked at length about salad and diet culture and intuitive eating and how diet culture and intermittent fasting are kind of bullshit, uh, go cue that up to listen to when you finish this one. It's a really interesting conversation and also a really fun episode, and I think you will really, really enjoy it. Uh, also, if you want to hear more of me and Kyle talking about food, we recorded an episode about Cincinnati-style chili many months ago, back before the show was called No Bad Food, when it used to be called Up for Discussion. Uh, that is in the archives of the show, so you can go find that as well. It's a really fun conversation. Uh, if you think you know what chili is, you don't know what Cincinnati-style chili is, because they're different things. All right, that's enough for me. Let's get back to my conversation with Kyle Harper. Okay, so we, we've we been talking about, like, meat Pokemon. It's weird <laughs> to me to try and distinguish, I think, because, like, all Pokemon are kind of animals, right? Like, they're all sort of meat, even the plant ones. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, you know, we so we, we touched on kind of dessert Pokemon. Uh, we, we got our dairy, we got our meat, uh, never should the two mix on a plate, etc. <laughs> um, we, ta- we talked a little bit about, like, fruit-based Pokemon. I guess we haven't actually talked about meat Pokemon. We've talked about fish Pokemon. We've talked about fish, seafood Pokemon. Yeah, that's the distinction. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> The, the seafood Pokemon you really don't want to eat. Um, should let's let's talk. We got cows right here in River City. <laughs> we have cows. We have ducks. Farfetched is a I would call a duck. There are a lot of duck Pokemon. A yeah. lot of there are poultry, but they're not they're oh, not chicken torchic. or turkey. They're torchic there is, is in fact a chicken. We've got pheasant. We've got pheasant. We've got pigeon. Yeah, it has been has been eaten in the past. So. This is this is where I'll start with this and we can branch the conversation out. Sure. In in generation 1 and in the um first season of the Pokémon animated series, they have definitely alluded to eating farfetched. Yeah. It is a thing. It was the only poultry, fowl, whatever you want to call it, Pokémon at the time and they definitely alluded to eating far-fetched as a um not a delicacy but a, you know it was it was a an uncommon punch-up to your meal yeah it, much like i think in in rural japan fish and ve- and fruits and vegetables are much more common and it was a it was a rare treat to be able to catch a a duck or a pheasant or something sure Sa- the same thing for far-fetched it was if you could get one it was a special it was a special meal, like a like a birthday or a celebration, yeah. but it wasn't a, not a delicacy, so to speak. It's a treat meat. A treat meat, yes. Yeah. It's like springing for it's like springing for quail instead of getting chicken. Yes, <laughs> they they no longer allude to doing such things anymore <laughs> uh, because the the international appeal of the game has made that much less that idea much less uh, savory and marketable. Sure. But you have to assume that with each of these new poultry, fowl, Pokemon, that someone out there ate them at some point. Yeah. Even if they aren't eating them anymore, these things evolved alongside humanity and civilization. And you would assume that at one point, 
people did eat Unpheasant and <laughs> and Pelipper and uh, and maybe Torchic. Torchic and its evolutionary line looks pr- pretty pretty tough to me. So maybe that wasn't eaten as as frequently. But what do I know? Yeah, I mean, I, I find it really interesting, like especially with Farfetched, who comes with his own seasoning. You know, like <laughs> you never find a farfetch that isn't carrying a leak. And now, granted, in later yeah. games, they they start calling it a stick. And I think in all of the games, they call it a stick, but it's really visibly a leak. Um, yes, like oh, it's a leak, and yeah. it's a. They definitely refer to it as a leak in the first generation games okay. as well. Yeah, that's it. And like, I feel like you know, it it does it does stand to reason that like, yeah, you could cook that. You can, and, and maybe <laughs> even should cook that. Like, it looks tasty, you know. And I feel like, and I don't have any specific references here, but the the more supplementary material, like the card game mm. and the manga at the time, were allowed to go a little darker and yeah. might have more more directly implied that, like, yeah, it's this amazing bounty of the Kanto region that this Pokemon comes with a carries its own seasoning around with it and if you can catch one you got a good dinner going that night like yeah like it, it's it wild is, yeah <laughs> it's truly <laughs> wild <laughs> it's it's bizarre um speaking of pokemon who carry their own food around with them um we don't really think about this too often but um Chansey, who is uh an egg-shaped pokemon who uh is most frequently seen helping out uh, with nurses in the Pokemon yep. Center, uh, and its move set is, you know, accordingly themed around being kind of a support, a healer. Chansey, I find really fascinating because Chansey eggs are edible. Chansey yes. has egg, and Chansey <laughs> gives you egg. Um, and um, canonically, Chansey's it, eggs are enjoyed by both people and human. Canonically, I think Chansey eats its own egg in yeah. game to heal. The move saw it's it's signature move is soft boiled which heals half its hp and in the later games when the animation gets better it implies that it eats the egg itself yeah so (laughs) i'm a little more disturbed by it cooking the egg itself frankly yeah (laughs) like it lays the egg somehow (laughs) off screen we don't need to see that and then puts it in its pouch and boils it (laughs) in its pouch and then eats it out of its own pouch it's extremely resourceful it it is this this weird this i guess it's a a, a marsupial <laughs> but that lays its own eggs so it's kind of like a platypus in that regard oh sure okay i i have to assume and believe that at some point some something there's a procedural difference between the the chancy egg that hatches a pokemon and the chancy egg that you eat to heal and perhaps only chancy knows what what instigates that difference but i feel as though we are not eating a an aborted chancy when well, we eat the chancy egg so so this idea that eggs are aborted chickens is, is yeah, kind I, of I flawed, know. right? I, like, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that's important to, to mention. Like, yes. like, humans also shed egg to a certain extent without them yes. being fertilized. Um, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same kind of egg, but we just, you know, if there's no ditto nearby, then Chansey can eat it. That's true. That's true. But that, 
So that brings to question then, do people eat other Pokemon eggs? Is it just that Chansey, Chansey's eggs are so available that it's got that association? But if you if you found a, a Togepi egg or a Pichu egg out, out in the wild, would, would you eat it? Is it fertile? Can you tell if it's fertilized? Yeah. Is there a difference in appearance between a, a fertilized Pokemon egg that looks vaguely like its character design and just like a normal egg? <laughs> well, this this is an interesting question because I think the clue that I get about this, and tell me what you think of this, is when the Pokemon eggs were originally introduced to us through the anime, and I think in some of the games and or like, you know, the game art, maybe in the books, but not necessarily in the sprites because lazy, they would... <laughs> distinguish what kind of Pokemon was inside the egg by the pattern on the egg, right? So, yes, you know, first yes. we get Togepi, who looks like the classic egg uh, in the Pokemon games with all the colorful circles and shapes and mm-hmm. whatnot. But then, you know, later it's shown to us that we can get, like, an egg that really visibly has a baby Pikachu or a, a Pichu in it or, like, a Magby yep. or Elekid. And my theory, and tell me what you think of this, is that when a Pokemon <laughs> egg is fertilized, it looks like it has a pattern on it to indicate that. And when it's unfertilized, it looks like Chansey's egg. I buy that. I'm, I think that's a fair assumption to make in this children's game that leaves much to the imagination. <laughs> I think like, well, why he, not? Here's why the, wouldn't it? Yeah. Imagine, like why, why wouldn't it take on a pattern once it's fertilized? Cause well, that's it. And, and, and like the rules are very poorly defined in this universe. So of course, <laughs> of course it works that way. <laughs> well, exactly. And, and like, Canonically, the baby form of Chansey, Happiny, has its own egg pattern as well. Yeah. So to me, it, it makes does. total sense that, you know, if the if the baby version of Chansey comes out of an egg that looks distinct from Chansey's regular egg, then it I don't know, that that makes sense to me as a as an explanation yep. for how to distinguish. And that would save that would save Chansey from then eating a fertilized Chansey to heal itself. Yeah. A fertilized Chansey egg to heal itself. I think that's a good a good evolutionary defense mechanism. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to add that to my headcanon now. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, you know, for people, we don't really have any way of visually distinguishing between pregnant people and just edible fat people. Uh so we're still working on that as a species. Uh that's we, where chance We are us figuring meet. that out. Um and until we do, I think our stance of not eating any people should hold up. I think we should we should yeah. stick by that until we decide a clear way to d- d- differentiate the two. That's it. Until until human meat is <laughs> FDA approved. <laughs> so I had I had two more types of edible Pokemon that I wanted to make sure to touch on today. One of them okay. is a delightful Pokemon who I think deserves a little bit more time in the spotlight, uh, and that is Shuckle. Shuckle being I a... also wanted to make sure we talked about Shuckle. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. So so for listeners who might not know, Shuckle is a... Uh, <laughs> I love the idea that someone is 40 minutes into this episode and doesn't <laughs> know about all these Pokemon we're talking about and is just oh, listening because they're nice. Um, so Shuckle is a turtle Pokemon who uh, can hold slash eat berries and convert them into juice. Um, yes. I love this. I love Pokemon that create some kind of substance out of the way that their bodies work. Uh, Be it, you know, 
Shekel Juice or any of the Pokemon that can produce honey. Um, I guess probably yeah. just the bee Pokemon produce honey. I don't know any others that would. Uh, but I think that's brilliant. I think honey... Oh, there's another one that makes honey, but I can't think of what it is. It's... Uh, like Combi. Maybe I'm just thinking there are more... Combi and and then Beedrill was the other one. I was like... Right. There, but that's just another bee Pokemon. Yeah, and and I love the the anime depiction of this of shuckle making juice where they like pump pump its shell full of berries and then like cork it shut so it's almost fermenting yeah and i wonder if it was if it's wine in like the original translation or before before they like ran it through the the localization filters and we're like oh no no we can't we can't sell wine in a kids game right because it it seems like a very like traditional way of making an alcoholic an alcoholic drink of some kind, which I very much want to try. Shuckle berry wine. Yeah, um, it sounds amazing. <laughs> I do. I do really it heal, like it. Cure, yeah. What's it heal you or cure you of your status conditions? Amazing. I I need some oldest vintage you have. I'm trying to see if there's any like uh, if there's anything about it originally being. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, because it is part rock type, um, this could be an allusion to using pottery to store and ferment, you know, liquids for yeah. creating medicines and whatnot. That's cool. I really like that. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was thinking. You know, they find the old jars of of wine and in <laughs> ruins somewhere. It's same thing. Yeah, but it's a, but it's a shuckle. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Um, the the other one that I wanted to make sure to touch on, and this is one that like I think kind of feels like a good transition from Shuckle in that it also produces a sort of consumable beverage, and that is Miltank, uh, the milk cow Pokemon. Oh who yeah, was first mm-hmm. introduced to us in the second generation of games. Uh, I think so. Was Shuckle, Shuckle, in fact. Um, but Miltank was introduced yep. for two purposes: the first of which to be establishing that there are Pokemon who give us milk, and uh, the second to be to use rollout. <laughs> over and over again in a battle yes uh, to infuriate <laughs> to infuriate everyone midway through their gym challenge yes yeah miltank as its own defined pokemon is a really cool choice in my mind because prior to that the only sort of cow adjacent pokemon we had was tauros who you know yes. is a bull and you know yes. bull, bull <laughs> don't do milk usually bull don't do milk no not not milk most people want to drink at least um and and it's it's gotten it's gotten very weird because in they added gender to the pokemon after gen 2 so now you could have male mill tank that Uh, i think still make milk and don't think that's true i think uh i think mill tank are 100 percent yeah mill tank is 100 percent female oh really yeah it can only breed with tauros Oh yeah, I see. Yeah. Now is Tauros a male only po- Pokemon? Uh, I believe that they made that a thing when uh, when they introduced Miltank. Oh yep, one hundred percent male. Okay, yeah. well I rescind that statement then. Um, but yeah, yeah, and and Mumu Milk, as it is called in the game, is is a great it's a great item once you unlock it in yeah. game um i'm playing through soul silver right now and nice. it's 
for for your money at at a this at the stage of the game I'm in. It's the most cost effective healing item you can buy. Right. Um and I I'm so happy I can stock up on it. And as a fan of dairy, I also want to try moo moo milk. I want I want to try all these things. Yeah. I want to drink the milk in real life. <laughs> I am um, this is a tangent away from food, but I think maybe still important to mention. Uh, obviously, you know, we've we've made reference to certain Pokemon being um, uh, mammals. We've made reference to certain yep. ones being marsupials and, and egg layers. Mm-hmm. And- um, I find it, it, I mean, obviously, you know, the fact that every Pokemon can lay an egg uh, <laughs> and also some Pokemon are marsupials and you know yes i think that pokemon plays fast and loose with you know animal classification as we know it in the real world and that's fine absolutely um, but at Basic some point biology as well yeah yeah but at some point this made me wonder you know we know that miltank does milk because that is its primary function and because it has big old mm-hmm. udder but it made me wonder <laughs> what other pokemon have milk right to to some extent or another and uh I now granted this was before Sword and Shield came out, so this may no longer be true because I'm not a hundred percent familiar with the Sword and Shield list. But prior to Sword and Shield, at least, uh, if you were to look at every Pokemon that existed to try and find one with a visible sign of being a mammal, uh, i.e., nipples, Ma- mammary gr- glands, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. there was only one other Pokemon <laughs> that had them, and it was Nuzleaf. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought you were. I, th- I thought it was going to be someone in the macho in the macho line, which nope. is equally funny. Yeah, to me, but only Nuzleaf. <laughs> it's Nuzleaf. Nuzleaf is the only Pokemon with nipples. Uh, it is a middle evolution, which means that it is not even <laughs> the final stage of its line. But when it evolves, it loses its nipples. No, <laughs> so. I don't know what to make of that, um, but it is perplexing to me, to say the least, that the only other Pokemon that has nipples is Nuzleaf. That's so funny. I have never noticed Nuzleaf's nipples before. <laughs> it's it's weird because like there's like 900 Pokemon. Yes. How how have they managed to do so little nipple? I mean, the same way, the same way disney animation get, has where you just don't draw you just don't draw the nipple you sure just, you just don't have it there's they're smooth chested instead because it's a kid's it's a kid's property for kids and right. nipples are nipples are of the devil and yeah you can't expose children <laughs> to to such things is that why nuzleaf has nipples then because nuzleaf is a dark type so it is a little bit of the devil I think that's the only way. That's the only thing that makes sense, Tom. Okay, all right. I can <laughs> I can decide that I'm okay with that. The only other one, yeah, I could ar- I would argue may have mammary glands that we do not see is another marsupial, uh, which would be Kangaskhan. Mm, sure. Similar to how kangaroos' mam- mammary glands are in their pouches, I could I could be convinced that is the case for Kangaskhan as well. Yeah. Um, because it's got that little baby that hangs out in there. Yeah, I could see that. I could see Kangaskhan having secret nipples, like hiding yeah. in its pouch. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, you can't necessarily see cat's nipples, right? So obviously, That's true. you know, visibility of nipples is not the only way to know for sure if something <laughs> produces milk. But, like, it just seems 
like wild to me that we have so few that visibly do you know yes especially when we have so many that are humanoid and have like large chest muscles but just still no (laughs) no nipples you know yeah well and you've got like nido queen that has something going on yeah i think Um. i would i would comfortably call nido queen something boobs i think that's (laughs) i think that's okay it's it's something yeah it's but no nipples no nipples that would have been that would have been right out far too vulgar for yeah for game freak to ever include but jinx is allowed can, but jinx is allowed. <laughs> do you think jinx tastes Ooh. good um i'm gonna pass on answering that question <laughs> that's fair um okay we're we're nearing the end of this very <laughs> strange celebratory pokemon episode uh yes. my final question for you kyle if you could right now eat any pokemon any one pokemon or a meal composed of several i'm gonna gonna open that up a little bit what would be your top choice so my my initial pairing of appleton and alchemy still stands sure i think like apple pie with whipped cream is a good combo um if you had to add a protein what are you doing i had to add a protein to that to apple pie and whipped cream. Um, <laughs> I mean, not not necessarily in the same course. Yeah, I I would <laughs> I would I would try far fetched as sure. a as a you know a, a chicken duck dinner as well. Um, I would I would probably have like like Kingler cr- claw with maybe some moo moo milk butter or and most of the seafood. I think most of the at least the 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 crawfish shellfish based pokemon all look pretty tasty i would probably pass on slowpoke tail unless i knew it was somehow humanely harvested mm-hmm. i think like a fruit salad made of of all the fruit pokemon and and fr- and byproducts of fruit pokemon i i wa- i didn't get to talk about and i wanted to a little bit um, you have Pokemon that are like that grow fruit that are not it would not harm them to to harvest. Yeah, um, I was just I thinking about Tropius. Tropius was my big example. Tropius grows a nice banana beard that yeah. I would I would absolutely you know some some bananas, some some cherim, maybe some discarded um, Exeggutor coconut heads in a fruit salad probably sound pretty good. If they still had the faces on them, would you eat them? At least once. Sure. I think so. How have we not talked about Execute? Hang on. (laughs) Execute is... is Let me double... I've gotten this wrong in the past. Hold on. Execute, I think, is a seed, not an egg. I mean, I had a uh, prof the other day uh, make the very helpful point that... uh, a seed and an egg are functionally the same are, thing. Are not that different. You <laughs> yeah. are you are not wrong. Resembling six pink eggs, but each face is a da, 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 yellow one member yellow insides with its brains exposed. Despite mm. looking like eggs, execute is actually more closely related to plant seeds. Sure. Okay. Okay. So, um, I would imagine execute is probably nutty. Ooh. All right, like like a like a I don't know a a, a nut, a, yeah. an almond or a or a 
Brazil nut or something. Um, sure. And not not eggy like uh, an egg would be in this argument. But I bet it has an egg-like texture. Do you think that would count as vegan? I don't know. It gets it's weird you bring that up. I just watched this video on on a company that is making ice cream out of milk protein grown by yeast. Okay. So it is yeast that produces milk protein and then they make ice cream out of it. So it is it is milk, but it doesn't come from an animal, so it is vegan milk. Weird. And it there's no chemical difference between that. So I I I think in this case though, because execute is sentient, I don't know that any of the fruit Pokemon would be vegan. I think you would still be unless they discarded it unless it was like Tropius where it's just the banana falls off where you pick the banana off of it. Right. I don't think it is I don't think um Appleton or Cherum or Bon Sweet are vegan even though they are fruit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you are you still have to uh, would have to kill a a thinking living thinking being to to consume it. Yeah. That sounds right to me. Veganism in the Pokemon universe must get really weird. Yeah. Must get real iffy. I mean, yeah, that's the thing that like, and you know, we're, we're not going to get too deep into that because like the episode's almost (laughs) over, but like there is of course a decent amount of like generic food item that exists in the Pokemon universe. Like you can get just bread. Yes. There's no bread Pokemon. You can get, you know, lemonade. <laughs> no, There's no, no lemon wheat Pokemon. Pokemon that you harvest. <laughs> yeah. And of course all the berry trees are just berry trees. So like, you know, that is true. I'm sure Pokemon veganism is possible, but I don't know if Farfetch'd but is an option. Again, much more. Yeah, exactly. But, possible but much more confusing yeah is the, are these berries i'm eating or is this a, is this a, a cherum um <laughs> you've got to ask that question every time i think if i had an option i would want to eat ash's pikachu specifically specifically ash's pikachu i mean it you'd be eating a champion a champion of champions and gaining all his power so yeah i think i think you're you're not in the wrong there i might while i may disagree with you i think you're justified in in wanting to eat that. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's just like Ash's Pikachu is tough, you know, like it, it's tough, yes. but it still loses a lot, which makes me think that it probably has a really <laughs> nice marbling. Oh yeah. You're probably right. And it's like, Tra- kind it's of a trained, rabbit, you know, it's trained for 20 years at this point. It's definitely got to have, have some, something going on. Yeah. It's probably a beautifully marbled piece of kind of gamey <laughs> rabbit meat. I don't know. <laughs> The one I want to, I really want, and they they even like, they make knockoff versions of it that you can buy in game, is I really want to try a Vanillite. I really sure. want to, well, and, and its evolutions, I want to see if its flavor changes as it evolves. I want to see what, how it reacts to being eaten. It, it It's an ice cream cone. Yeah. It, and I don't understand... It, it only can be an ice cream cone. It's not like an alchemy where like you could justify like, oh, it blobs off a little whipped cream and you eat that instead of eating the entire Pokemon or or something. Like it its full form through all evolutions is ice cream, bigger ice cream and and 
triple decker ice cream and i want to try all three i want there to be various flavors yeah and i want to walk around eating this ice cream cone as <laughs> as a treat yeah i get that i had caught a shiny version of one <laughs> once and i think the shiny version looks more appetizing because it's kind of a like lavender color oh yeah yeah it's like it looks tasty like strawberry ice cream yeah. as opposed to a plain vanilla or a plain snow cone if it's a if it's more of a snow cone than an ice cream cone yeah but, uh i hope it's more of an ice cream cone i feel like a snow cone would be disappointing like if you bit into be. that and it wasn't creamy you know <laughs> anyway it's got that little dollop on top yeah i think it's got to have some some creamy texture to it yeah it's important we got to be able to get our soft serve somewhere you know yes <laughs> kyle thank you so much for joining me on this uh ambitious but i think successful episode of no bad food before i let you go do you have anything you want to plug any final words of wisdom for people please listen to debate this um and our our spin-off show the Pluse is loose a uh, Mar- a marvel and superhero content watch along podcast uh, we are currently watching every what if as it comes out and talking about those every wednesday on our on our feed debate this is gearing up for our annual tradition of the spooktacular express a month-long um, halloween themed episode where we we specifically talk about spooky things in comics and video games for the month of October. Um, we are having a big push on our Patreon for that as well. We would love to have you come ride the Spooktacular Express with us. Um, that is that is our big project going on right now. Sweet. I'll make sure to include links to all of that in the description of this episode for ease of access. Thank you. Uh, where can people find you on the socials if you want to be found um you can find me on twitter at k harper music um and i'm on instagram at k harper k harper audio as well you can follow me on both those places my twitter is more active than my instagram if you're gonna pick one cool well kyle thank you so much this is a lot of fun this was a lot of fun thanks for having me tom whenever you want to talk about eating pokemon again i'm happy to to come back on i feel like we will have to do a follow-up episode at some point because i have a feeling i have a feeling that we missed stuff and we're both gonna kick ourselves in like a couple of hours there there are 900 pokemon and i'm sure of those only about 100 are inedible so i'm sure we missed something challenge accepted Thank you so much for listening to No Bad Food. Do you want to join the conversation? Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at NoBadFoodPod or at Tomzalatni. If you like this episode and want to help me make the show even better, please consider heading to Patreon.com slash NoBadFoodPod to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendallin, Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Chantal, and David. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. So if that's exciting for you, head to Patreon.com slash NoBadFoodPod and make it happen. I uh, will pull back the curtain a little bit and tell you that I'm about $500 short of paying all my bills this month. So if you feel like helping out by being even one of those $500, that would be fantastic. (laughs) Patreon. 
Thank you. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Tee Public. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice, and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Flam. You can find links to support both of them in the description of this episode. And last, but certainly not least, this show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. See you next week. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow this time. I'm Tefra Jemian, the producer and host of the Yeah Podcast, a young adult lit review podcast focusing on amplifying the diverse voices in YA literature. Join us as we dig into the world of young adult books, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what YA lit can teach us at any age. Discover the world of YA Lit through exclusive author interviews, book reviews, genre smackdowns, and more. The Yeah Podcast, available through the Upward Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast, helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else.